Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's a Dumb Rule podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Greg. Greg, today we're going to be talking about the NCAA March Madness bracket. How is it selected? What are the rules of it? However, when we start digging into this, there's a lot of complexities to this tournament. There's a lot going on. So Mm -hmm. let's just start with a high-level look. Is there anything you want to lead into right off the bat that kind of draws your eye as a great place to start? Yeah, so this is probably, if not the best, one of the best tournaments throughout the year. Oh, definitely. Um, Everyone looks forward to March Madness. It's a great basketball tournament. I I don't know anyone who doesn't know about March Madness. The fun, or I think one of the best parts about March Madness is there's always a surprise, right? Yes. So you have this tournament with 68 teams in it. There used to be 64, now there's 68 teams, and... It's, you know, you could probably pick 20 or 30 teams that really have a legitimate shot of winning it all. Yeah, no one's ever gotten the bracket perfect. Right. Never. It's never (laughs) happened. It's amazing. So It's incredible to to even think about that. Right. So they call it March Madness because it starts in March, and it usually goes until the first week or two of April. But it's, it's, it's really a big tournament at the end of the college basketball season, which typically starts in November or December. And uh, not every team gets in the tournament. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is how does a team get into this tournament? Now, just for the record, there's another tournament called the NIT, which is sort of like any teams that don't make it into the NCAA tournament, they go, not all of them, but a lot of them will go into the NIT tournament, which is still a good tournament. It's Mm -hmm. just not the top teams, right? Yeah, it's not as robust either, and it's not widespreading across the country. Right, right. You're not going to... It's rare you would do a bracket for the NIT. The te- the games are usually during the week instead of the weekends and stuff yeah. like that. So that's fine. So I was really curious to see, like, how is how are the teams selected? Because every year you're going to have some teams that don't get in. And yeah. fans are upset. They're like, there's no way we shouldn't, we shouldn't have got in. Other teams get in and you're like, seriously, that team got I in? I didn't even know they had basketball. Right. <laughs> like when so, Loyola Chicago got in and they just blew the world up. Yeah. I'm like, wait. Right. They play? They play? <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah. So I thought it would be fun just to talk today about, like, what is the process for teams to get in? Because there's obviously more than 68 teams in Division One NCAA, oh, right? Yeah. So how, how do they pick the team? So I'll just kind of start out by saying there's some qualifiers that a team, if they reach, a, if they win, like, for example, if they win their league or if they win a tournament, they're automatically in. Right. So you could have and you've seen this where you've had a team that maybe doesn't have that great of a year, but they win their, for example, the Big Ten tournament. They're in whether that's good or bad. That's a lot a lot of discussion around that. But that's one way of getting in. So typically there's um, a handful of teams that get in automatically because they won their conference. And then that leaves a lot of what they call at large bids. Yeah. Right. An at-large bid means it, it's open. Like, who else should be in the tournament? And that's where that's where things get really complicated right off the bat. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely gets crazy. And to give, like, a, a general idea to folks of what we're just skipping over, there's a committee, and the committee debates, and it's filled with um, members of, like, athletic departments that vote on each other, and then there's certain rules of who can vote on what because they're affiliated with certain schools. Mm-hmm. So presumptively... There's going to be a lot of politics about how exactly who can be in the room, who can vote, when can they vote, how do they vote. It gets really convoluted. It so does. it's best just to kind of stick to the shallows for right now. <laughs> and we can dive into that on another maybe sure. three, four, five, ten part episode where we're able to really go into it in a way that feels kind of complete. Yep. So 
just to put some some numbers around this, so there's 32, 32 teams auto, have these what do they call automatic qualifiers. So thirty two teams automatically get into the tournament based on what they did throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Then there's thirty six teams that what they call the at large teams. So thirty six spots are open, and that's where the committee comes in, right? Yes. So and like I don't want to get into the details like you just <laughs> said, but basically what it comes down to is you have a room full of people and they. They kind of vote like which they write down on literally write down on a piece of paper what teams they think should be in for for different reasons and then they kind of debate back and forth but at the end of the day you finally have the 68 teams that make it into the tournament wow so and again it used to be 64 so we used to have this nice neat clean four groups of 16 teams and then based on how some conferences got realigned and things like that now you actually have 68 teams that make it into the tournament so how the tournament works then is the first the first round you actually have the the four oh, I guess the four extra teams right so, so teams 65 6 7 and 8 mm-hmm. they're going to play to get the field down to 64 teams right yes they play each other and the best wins and actually goes into the tournament proper right the original 64 yep Yep, exactly. So you have sort of a, the first round is really just getting it from 68 to 64 teams, okay? Then you have what, I guess maybe that's called the first round or the second round, where you have four groups of 16 teams, okay? And each group is a region, and typically it's a region in the country, right? So you have the east bracket, you have the west, uh, I think you have this uh, southwest maybe. Yeah, I think and, it's like south, northeast, northwest, and southeast or something right. like that. I can pull up another bracket just because I, it's yeah. definitely changed since we lost the Big East and we've had a lot of movement in basketball over the years. Right. But continue. I'll pull yeah. up a bracket one. So so you have 16 teams in each bracket, and um, it's it's simply seed number one plays 16. Seed number two which is would typically be the second best team in that bracket, or I'm sorry, in that region, they play the 15th seed, three plays 14 and so on, until you get down to the eighth seed plays the ninth seed, right? Mm-hmm. So that that is going to be the first round of games. One plays 16, two plays 15, and so on. And obviously there's a winner and a loser. Um, and just so you know, this is the kind of tournament where once you lose, you're done. Other yeah. tournaments, you if you lose a game, you can still play in and stuff. But this is one lose, and done. One and done. Yep. And then to correct myself, Midwest. Okay. Southeast West. Got it. Got it. Okay. So how teams get put into different regions? There's there's a lot of discussion around that. Obviously with the committee, typically they like to put the number one seeds close to home. I guess is the best way to put it. So. For example, if if Duke is the number one seed, they're probably going to be in the East, mm-hmm. right? They're not going to be in the West. If Arizona is the number one seed, they're probably going to be in the West. And, you know, with the two and three seeds, you see a lot of that as well. Yeah. Once you get down to the five, six, seven, eight seeds, those teams can really go anywhere. Yeah. You know? So anyway, that first round, you have one plays 16, two plays 15, and so on. And then obviously that cuts the field in half. So now you go from 16 to eight. Yes. Okay. Then... The next day, and actually those games take place over two days, so that'll be typically a Thursday and a Friday will be that first round. Yeah, and it goes from 64 to 32, split it down to 16, 16. to 8, to 4, and then, of course, to yep. the 2 and the 1. Exactly. So that first weekend, you're going from 64 
to 16 because you played two rounds, right? Yeah, in one week, we yeah. cut over half the field. Yeah, so they call it the Sweet 16. If a team wins two games, they advance to the Sweet 16. That happens then the following weekend, yes. all right? So now you're going from 16 teams down to four, all right? And I have never seen, I, sh I should actually look this up, but I don't think there's ever been a, a final four with all number one seeds. I don't believe so either. You I think always it's have always an upset, been right. Always. That's why it's so hard for people to pick a good, uh, a correct bracket because there's obviously so many different variations of, of who may win or who may not win, and you have to assume that there will be an upset in there at some point. I mean, there there always is, right? So you get down to the final four, and then the following weekend is where the you would know, have two games. Um, two teams play the other two teams play and then you get down to the final two teams and then that's obviously the championship game so um so the whole tournament takes uh let's see 64 32 no, 16 three. so it takes four weeks four weekends i should say to get through the whole tournament so yeah it starts in march usually goes into early april but that's that's typically what the tournament looks like it's it's one of the most robust tournaments that we have mm -hmm. that almost always seems to work flawlessly right like it's one of these weird things that we talk about the football season every single year we talk about the playoffs every single year nba playoffs we talk about all the time hockey playoffs we talk about all the time yeah for college basketball playoffs and the tournament <laughs> we never speak of it no it's like holy ground it and is. it's been one of these tournaments that's gone incredibly smooth over the past couple years except when you're talking about like venues but i mean we're getting right. off the path there yeah um, so it is amazing with everything that goes into it and as many teams that are flying in and as many coaches and committees that are looking over this, it always seems to go off without a hitch. It really does. I mean, you do hear some teams grumble about not getting in, um, if they're on the bubble, they call that. So yes. that's another term that you may hear is if a team is, um, you know, they may maybe had a 500 year, maybe a little better than 500 record. They're going to be on the bubble. That means maybe they get in, maybe they don't. And there's always a few teams that don't get in, and, and the fans are obviously upset because it's like, oh, I should have got in. But anyway, it's just that's what makes part of the fun, right, is you have this field of 68 teams, and literally any team can make a run. Um, and we see that almost every year. You may have a, a 13 seed or a 14 yeah. that gets to the Sweet 16. It's like, oh, my gosh. We're, and you don't know anybody. I mean, they don't have any stars. It's just – yeah. This team that just plays great and it's like it's Jimmy so Valvano's <laughs> yes. South Carolina. Yeah, that right. team won the whole title. I don't yep. even remember their seed, but they weren't a number one. They had lost to a cup. They lost to Virginia with yeah. Ralph Sampson the third. Yep. And then they played against Hakeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler mm -hmm. and just a loaded Houston team, the Fly, Fly, Fly Slamma Jamma. Fly Slamma Jamma, yeah. So yeah. it is incredible how quickly you can see these teams really develop mid tournament almost, yes. like re identify like their right. strengths. As they go, I'm trying mm -hmm. to remember right now, um, like St. Bonaventure's, I believe, has been yeah. in there a couple uh, times. George Mason was George one Mason of was another one. Yeah. Uh, Loyola has been in there. Yeah. The first run they made was like, whoa, what is this? Right. Second time, we were kind of like, okay, we know you got shooters and an yeah. undersized big man, so they played fun small ball. Yeah. But yes, it feels like every single year there is a team that kind of sneaks out or maybe two or three teams yep. that you're just like, where is this from? I, I remember I had one team... Um, trying to remember the is it Richmond? Richmond okay, had yeah. a really nice team one yes. year too. That you're like, this is fun basketball. Mm -hmm. Like I'm excited to watch yep. this. Yeah. Um, and just seating seems to always 
work out in the perfect manner. And yeah. maybe it's because of the mass volume. We're not nitpicking the littlest detail Could about be. it. Could or be. maybe it's just because, you know what? It's just chaos anyway. Let's embrace it. <laughs> <laughs> it is chaos. It's a, it's fun chaos. It I, is. I, and I think every year um, in that first round when, when the when number one seed plays 16, it's usually a blowout, right? Yeah. I mean, usually. But I tell you what, the two versus 15 – I remember one year Purdue was a, was a two seed and they got bumped out by this 15 seed and I was like, oh my gosh, they lost. <laughs> but it's it's fun. That's what makes it so exciting, right? So yeah. Um, and one thing to know too is that you don't reseed after each round, right? So if you're a 15 seed or a 14 seed and you win, that doesn't automatically mean you have to play the highest surviving seed. You may play an eight seed yeah. or a nine. So when you move along, when it's, you move along, right. it's so tricky because I always think of. Uh, UMBC, I'm trying to remember, they beat Virginia right. in 2018, and it was okay. like, whoa, what yeah. is this? <laughs> and this is when they blew it up to 68 teams, too. So right. it had been UMBC's second game, Okay. and they were able to go in there and just rocked Virginia. And That's I was like, awesome. what is this? Yeah. So, yeah, I can't agree with you more on that yeah. On and just some of the good memories that have come out of this tournament. And really, the rules, it, it defines kind of the perfect rule that we never think about it. But it somehow always seems to work perfectly. Mm -hmm. And so it might be one of like our top tier rules that we get to review. Or rules, I should say, in quotations. That the overall procedure itself, is it it feels flawless because we've never had a problem. And clearly there could be a flaw, but the tournament always seems to succeed regardless of the rules. And so I think it's a really cool one that we've got a chance to kind of walk back through. Yeah. Um, but are there any other thoughts that you have? I know I kind of cut you off midstream That's okay. There. No. So I was thinking like, so we just mentioned a few teams that sort of come out of the Cinderella stories, right? Yes. That come out of the blue. But there's also, I don't know, there's probably about a dozen teams that they're there every year. Yeah. Duke. I remember the, the Fab Five at Michigan. Oh, I think, yeah. you know, they were always there. So there's always a few, you know, um, who else is there? Uh, I think Duke, UN, uh, North Carolina. North Carolina. I always think of, well, for a long period of time, it was... Um, Nevada, UNLV. Oh, yes. UNLV Larry was there Johnson. for a very long time. Right. I, I mean, that Duke team is, is really prominent that I think of. I'm trying to think of a couple more Gonzaga? just off the top. Gonzaga's always there. Oregon's had many good teams right. that have Arizona, come up and down. Arizona, I think, is there a lot. Arizona. So, yeah. um, Wisconsin's generally in there. Mm-hmm. Ohio State's generally in there. A lot of Big Ten represented, right. uh, representation gets in. The teams that I always think of that we're not seeing as much anymore, though, is the Big East. And at some point, we'll come back to this. Right. Because I know I've brought Georgetown up the Big East. And... Georgetown, St. John's, Syracuse. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, just thinking of like Vinny Testaverde, right? right? Just sitting yeah. on the sideline. <laughs> Providence was in there. Seton yeah. Hall was in there. Right. And at one point, I mean, I think there was three Big East teams that made the Final Four one mm-hmm. year. I think you And you're Georgetown right. ended up winning. So it, it's stuff like that that we don't see quite as much. The Big East probably should have another discussion when it comes to the NCAA right. tournament. Right. But yeah, we're used to seeing basketball schools, classic, but uh, mm. classic UCLA. Basket, UCLA's yeah. another, um, just classic basketball right. schools that are kind of um, country clubbed in. Like, right. oh yeah, they're gonna be in there. <laughs> and slowly but surely, we're yeah. starting to move away from that. I mean, right. UNLV is obviously not there anymore. Right. Um, the Big East. Unfortunately, it's kind of falling apart. Georgetown just doesn't have as strong of a program as it used to. Mm-hmm. Um, John Beheim and the Syracuse Orange, you know, we yeah. do see them here and there, but they certainly aren't what they used to be. At least they might, 
get there with a new recruiting class. We'll see. Yeah. So it's nice to see the landscape change, but it definitely feels interesting now that we're seeing some of the coaches like Coach K mm-hmm. from Duke disappear. Yes. And yes. I mean, UNC, what, what's the future there? Right. They've had a couple lackluster years that the expectations were very high and they just got nowhere close. Yep. And you mentioned the Big East, and that's another point I wanted to bring up, is that every year we always hear about conferences. So we have the Big Ten, the Back Ten, Big East, ACC. And you always hear people who say, oh, there shouldn't have been, you know, I'm going to make up a number, seven teams come out of the Big Ten. And then that first round, maybe five of them lose, right? Yeah, there was a Minnesota year, there was a Wisconsin year. I think Illinois lost one year early. It was was a bad year for the Big Ten. It was bad for the Big Ten, yeah. So, But, I mean, that happens, right? And, I mean, the teams are in there for a reason, but... But I, I do see how a fan could be frustrated, like, oh, gee, Syracuse didn't get in, but Iowa did, right? Yeah. Well, should that have happened, you know? so Yeah. That, yeah. Is, that is a really good point, especially when you're talking about basketball states, like especially in the Northeast, right. where basketball is king yes. in a lot of ways. I mean, mm-hmm. football, it's obviously always going to be there. But, I mean, when I think of New York, I think of basketball. When I think of Chicago, I think of basketball. Indiana. Indiana, basketball. Ohio, basketball. Well, I shouldn't say that entirely. But I do think of Buckeye basketball. So there's a lot of these areas that want to be in that tournament that can't Mm -hmm. get in because other programs are just in a better light at that time. So, yeah, it is kind of crazy to think. Mm -hmm. And I guess, really, my mind immediately jumps to how grateful i am that we didn't expand this tournament any more than we had to and every year there's talk of that i'm i really hope they keep it off because it it feels like the right number this is one of those rare things where it's like could we expand to 128 teams (laughs) well it's not as the lackluster isn't there anymore right it's this idea that we have 64 32 and we just keep boiling it down down yeah And the names are sweet, and then the history is there, and the players were there, Mm -hmm. all the way back to Lou Alcindor. It (laughs) just makes sense. Yep. So I I love it, and I I hope that they don't touch it too much because everything that they have in the rule book makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. One thing I wanted to ask you, I don't know the answer to this, but when the tournament is going on, and I'm sure the answer is no, but does the NBA schedule around the tournament, or do they not really care? I think... If you talk to the NBA, they would say no, but if if you put some sodium pentothal in them, they'd probably say yes. Yeah. I will say this, March is a slower time for the NBA because it's transitioning into the first rounds of the playoffs. Right. So the playoffs are getting going as the games get fewer in the March Madness bracket. Okay. So I I think and this is my own opinion. So I don't take this as as gospel. Mm-hmm. Other people will say other things. I like that March Madness kicks in when basketball is either at its absolute worst, like right as the season's ending and yeah. they're starting to rest people, right? or it's at its absolute best when we're having the play-in tournament with the NBA. Okay. So it, it depends on where you're at. I tend to slow down. I don't watch as much at the end of the year. I like to watch kind of the opening two months, and then I kind of shut it off. Sure. And then I'm a college guy through and through. Yeah. But for college basketball, I mean, really the NBA, I think the first thing they're going to say to you is, they're always rooting for the March Madness bracket to, or March Madness to do well because it gives them new players and stars to yeah. lead into the draft. There you go. Yeah. Which this was very, very true with Trey Burke at Michigan. Do you remember the Michigan team? Yes. I'm trying to remember the year off the top of my head. But Spike Albrecht, they had um, Mitch McGa- McGrady, 
They had Trey Burke. They had Nick Stauskas. They had this great team mm-hmm. that just had like these weird unsung heroes. And Spike Albrecht came off the bench and didn't play much at right. all in the regular season. All of a sudden, he was like dropping 22. Yep. Yep. So there was stuff like that where the NBA is like, we would love to have Trey Burke mm-hmm. be a star. And so when the draft came around, everyone was talking about Trey Burke. He wasn't going to be the first overall pick. But this was a guy that right. was pulling his team to the finals yep. in the NCAA tournament, and the NBA was going to eat the reward off of that, yep. and college couldn't touch him. He was going to the NBA. Yep. Yep. So I think that's at least what the NBA might look at more as, oh, we really hope these players make a brand for themselves because right. we're going to get the opportunity to right. sell it later, and we don't have to invest anything. I was just thinking about, is it Chet Holmgren? Chet, yeah. Now, he played... He's a rookie this year. Yeah, and he's not playing this year. Yeah, Yeah, he broke his foot. But he, remind me, was he a Gonzaga guy? Yeah. Okay. And there were a few. So, Paulo Bancaro played for Duke, and he had a nice tournament. Not great, but he he showed a lot. Um, Jabari Smith at Auburn had a, I really loved his tournament. I Mm -hmm. thought he did very well. And then you had uh, Chet Holmgren, and then Purdue um, had a speedy guard. Oh, I, God, why can't I remember his name all of a sudden? I'm having a senior moment. It'll come to me. He was one of my favorite players yeah. in the tournament, period, um, that went to Detroit. So, but so they the were looking at it. Yeah, yeah so the they were using that tournament. is a way for players to showcase their talent in a way, right? Absolutely. I mean, guys that we know are going to be in the be in the NBA, they may say, hey, I'm going to take this tournament and raise my stock, right? Yeah. I mean, that's really... Jaden Ivey's the player. He I had as, like, my second or third best player in the draft. I loved him. But it also is a moment to say, like, I remember the Ben Simmons draft. People were like, this guy is 6'10", he can dribble, he can play almost every position, Right. but he didn't make the tournament. Oh. With... That probably hurt him, I'm sure. And people brought it up all the time, and still do, Mm. that here's this guy, he doesn't like to shoot, He's not the greatest from the free throw line. He's kind of unorthodox, but he's such a big body, and he's so gifted with the passing. Right. He went number one overall, but people's biggest red flags were, this is a guy that's going to be the number one pick in the draft, and you're on a team that, even though it's not perfect, you you had some shooters around you. Like, it could make sense. The coach could put you in a spot, and you couldn't make the tournament. Wow. And now look at this yeah. a couple years later. You know, we're, we're talking about him being the third banana mm-hmm. on a mm-hmm. title contender team. Yes. Still great player, but nowhere close to what you'd expect out of a player that got that much attention so early to be like a magic-esque big man that can pass and do all these incredible yep. things. So yep. it is something that I think the NBA loves because it's such a great moment to scout and develop storylines. Yeah. Like the NCAA is really good at that too, mm-hmm. of saying like, oh, we got – Jaden Ivey, the speedy guard, and he's going to be going up against, you know, this Marquette, this Howard kid that's scoring, you know, 27 points a game. Like, what's going to happen? That's just made up. That's two different (laughs) ones, but two different years that happen. Right, right. Um, But for the NBA, they need the story. Right. Like, they really do. They They got off. They They need their stars. stars. And you want to have markets that are like, well, I really love this kid coming out of Pittsburgh, but now he's playing for Sacramento. Well, you're going to follow that guy now. At least my generation yep, does. So absolutely. it's only getting more traction as Very people cool. become fans of players. Sounds good. Yeah. No, I'm excited. I'm, I, I'm again, excited for this year's tournament. And, and I think they, like you said, they do, the NCAA really does a good job with this yeah. as a whole. I mean, I really don't have any qualms about when they have games played. They just do it such a, such a good job with it. They so. do. And I think 
we might change our tune if we were in the room. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm really glad we're yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, awesome. Well, I guess Good. let's say it at the end here. Good rule, bad rule, dumb rule. What do you think of it overall? Great tournament overall. I wouldn't change a thing. I think it's absolutely perfect. We are in lockstep. I love <laughs> it. I think that they made the right decision to keep it at 68, 68 yes. not expanded over. Yeah. And I think that the fact that we don't talk about it is actually the highest compliment yeah, you can have in sports. I think, I think you're right. That's uh, perfect. Awesome. Well, any parting thoughts before we head out? No, I think that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with the show or listen to past podcasts, visit our website at that'sadumrule.com. Otherwise, tune in next time for another Dumb Rule. Dumb Rule.